3: Welcome in, Rob Black talking money, investing, creating wealth, preserving wealth, insurance, investing, 401 one ks, little economy, little stock market. Sometimes I'll dash in, little Christmas retail sales and things along those lines. But uh, I try not to stray too far from uh, topics that you care about. On occasion, I do. I understand. Um, Again, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. You can drop me an email, rob at com, and I'll get to it in the next hour. rob at com. Um, typically, I have some speaking events coming up, and in this time, in case they're, it's true, you can find out more about these events. They're typically five bucks, and all of that goes to charity. It's just a way of keeping you from really crazy people, which the Bay Area has no shortage of, um, if you know what I'm saying. And I say that with respect. Uh, I used to do free events, and uh, people would show up missing teeth and, like, I need to make a million dollars fast. I'm like, me too, kind of thing, you know? Um, and that's not what you how you want to do it. You want to make money slowly. You want to live your life. You want to go camping. You want to make love to the people that you care about. You want to share love with people that you care about. Um, you don't have to make a million dollars today. Stock market rode a rebound in oil prices and energy stocks to a new high yesterday. An effort to stretch those gains is how you come into the next morning on Wall Street. And... On a day-by-day basis, does it matter? No. Um, It really doesn't. It depends on when you retire. It depends on how much you've got and how much growth you need versus safety you need. All investors are ever so slightly different, right? So the morning started out, you know, with headline news. It typically does. It trades a little bit off the headlines in Germany or in the European Union, a little bit of headlines in Asia. Uh, Then it starts to look at itself and, you know, to see what headlines it trades off, you probably want to start with like the Wall Street Journal. And this kind of gets interesting uh, because there's two types of headlines in the Wall Street Journal. There's business headlines and there's world and U.S. headlines. Um, and some of them are like, okay, Siemens is selling the hearing aid unit. Okay, okay, just companies trying to divest some profitability and try to find some value in some of their uh, divisions. Investors concerned over oil CEO pay. Okay, that's fair. You know, um, when you see how much CEOs get, and is it, you know, return on investment for the company good or not? Like, if I were to tell you Apple would create $100 billion of value, under Steve Jobs, is he worth more than $10 million or $20 million? You'd probably say, yeah, but when you start talking about salaries of 20 30 $40, you you're like, that's crazy. But if you create that value with your leadership, do you deserve it? It's interesting. TV ad sales on shaky ground. That's a headline that inst- inst- instantly interested me. Um, Third quarter results at U.S. media companies are pointing to an ominous trend, that the television ad markets on shaky ground, especially in cable, as marketers pull back amid economic uncertainty. Time Warner said domestic advertising revenue uh, at its Turner broadcasting cable networks, including CNN, TBS, and TNT, was flat. Discovery Communications said advertising at its domestic cable networks grew a smaller than expected 1%. Comcast NBC's Universal reported a 4.6% decline in ad revenue, a 4.6% decline in ad revenue. Now I work in radio and television. And I could tell you that both of them have suffered, and on some parts, radio has kind of become bullet shots. Um, you know, dance Latin music. They're trying to hit a certain you know segment of the population. Um, conservative right wing talk, conser- uh, liberal left wing talk, financial radio. You can see that they're trying to say, okay, advertisers. This is what you know. You want. We have your audience specifically. There was a radio station. Or there is a radio station in Palo Alto that's asked me to, you know, come and work for them numerous times. And um, it's not really about a money issue. But it's it's all Chinese speaking radio station. And like I'm just too intimidated to. They're like, oh no no, we'll translate for you. I'm like, what happens if you're like the white donkey has a big tail and he thinks the stock market's going to go higher? Ha 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 ha. And it's, I can't understand what you're saying. Other than I'm the white donkey. That's my favorite sound of the day. Just so you know, maybe we'll run a prize tomorrow later today to win tickets to Chicago, the musical. And you have to know my sound of the day. One more time. Coming from a donkey, that's a great sound. But when you hear another human being go, it's disturbing to say the least. Oh, I saw the saddest donkey, the saddest donkey, and it was a human being. It was this person that just looked like a human donkey, and I was like, that's the sad donkey. And uh, I'd see her all the time because she was like a person that walked around uh, San Francisco. Anyway, back to cable ad dollars. Um, It's sluggish out there, you know, and where is the money going? Facebook, nothing but Facebook, nothing but Facebook. Um, It's also going to just online, you know, YouTubes and others. It's pretty obvious that there's only so much marketing dollars in the world. And that's one of the problems that we're going to see in the foreseeable future, is that a lot of companies are starting up like, yeah, we're going to get advertising money. Good luck with that. Let's see. Health insurers are wooing consumers in a crowded market. Industry ramps up for the November 5 reopening of the insurance marketplaces. Health insurers are unleashing a blizzard of ads, letters, live events, and other efforts to reach consumers as the industry ramps up for the reopening of the health laws marketplaces. Insurers are trying to hold on to an estimated 7.3 million existing enrollees, as well as dig out millions of new customers who declined to sign up before. It's congested. It's competitive. It's confusing. It sounds like me after a big dinner. Oh, no, 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 it's not constipated. (laughs) It's congested. I got those two words mixed up. And what's funny is I got those two words mixed up when I was in first grade. Um, I had a crush on the school nurse, bad crush on the school nurse. And uh, I'd always want to go, and it, what's a crush at first grade? Like, does that make any sense? Like, she was just probably nice. Um, she's redhead. She had a husband that bothered me a little bit, it bothered me a lot. But um, I'd always raise my hand in class and go, like, yeah, teacher. And she goes, what is it, Rob? And I'd go, my nose is constipated. And the kids would all laugh at me. And I didn't know the difference between congestion and constipating. I guess, sure enough, today I still don't. So anyway, Healthcare Service Corporation is going to be limiting the word deadline. It's going to be limiting use of the word deadline in ads and other messages so consumers don't get confused by seeing the term attached to multiple dates. Insurers are seeking to retain members. You know, they have to walk a very fine line. If their existing customers do nothing, many will automatically be re-enrolled in their plans. Uh, All about the healthcare.gov time of the year. Again, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for healthcare.gov. Are you ready to rumble? Um, We'll talk jobless claims declining, compensation rising better in the third quarter. Millennials um, should not take advice from mom and dad because mom and dad are not millennials. Uh, Sometimes they're baby boomers. Sometimes they're Generation X. But most importantly, they're different types of investors. We'll talk about that if you want to. Why don't you pick up the phone and give me a call? 800 516 1220. It's 800 516 1220. Get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Coming up a little later, we're going to be talking retail sales with analyst Brian Soji. Talking about holiday apparel trends and also what we're expecting. I'm not going to say as retail sales or as Christmas goes, so goes the economy. There's a little bit of truth in that. Not as much as I want to like put down in paper and say, print it, Dano. I don't know who you're saying, who's Dano? I don't know. I don't know. There's someone named Dano, and I want him to print it. So anyway, um, jobless claims declined, and I think that's positive, because as jobless claims decline, and I have it on good word that more people are starting to be interviewed and more people are starting to get oot in the boot, um, as my friends from the north would say, um, in getting interviews. Uh, And I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. So I think that helps our economy. So the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits fell more than expected last week. The number is 278,000 for the week, and any number under 400,000 is pretty good. Republicans just took over Congress. I, if The jobless numbers keep going in the, the positive direction that they've been going, which is uh, lower. They're going to take credit for it, even though it was a lot of the Obama and Democratic Congress or split Congress that, that put the, you know, things out there. Yeah, They didn't put it out there. Federal Reserve did. Let's be honest with each other. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP, Chad Burton. He's our house financial planner for Rob Black and your money. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of the questions that I get, Chad, on a regular basis are people who are trying to get the best stock, the best return on stocks, trying to beat the markets, trying to get yields for their cash that's higher than, you know, zero to 1%, trying to chase performance. Let's talk about chasing performance, chasing yield. Uh, typically, I, I tend to say that anything over 6% is going get, to start getting dangerous on you as far as income-oriented investing.
4: Well, it's more than that now. So, I mean, if you're looking at some of the ETNs um, or ETFs that are in the muni bond area yep. and they're yielding over 4%, likely they're leveraged, okay. meaning they're borrowing money somewhere to buy even more so they can keep the yield up. So if you have any kind of a credit situation let's say, um, you know, budget deficits of California get worse or, uh, Spain and Italy become the next Greece, which looks like it could very well happen. Um, and you have some sort of credit event. You could see those funds lose 10 to 15%. Um, high yield bonds, you know, the, those are really considered the other alternative name for high yield bond is junk bond. They're right. lower credit ratings. And again, you can see those move just like stocks in value. but. Uh, bought a lot of high yield stuff and convertible bonds in early 2009 that had 30% returns. And then I sold them, um, still own actually a little bit now, uh, because most funds to keep their interest rates above 4% own high yield bonds and some common stocks now. So, um, you know, people's portfolios are more, have a higher beta now than they think.
3: And we've seen entire firms, you know, brought down like MF global because they invested in Italian bonds a little bit too soon. Um, they're chasing performance. They're trying to stay ahead of the curve. Again, they went down for other reasons, but chasing yield can bring you down, and it can bring you down hard.
4: Yeah, yeah. You know, like Franklin Templeton had one of the best foreign bond funds. They really stumbled in the first, or the last part of 2011, uh, went into Irish bonds and things like that too early. So people stumble. And that's the other thing, too, Rob. Really, people need to be very c- careful of when you go through a period of increasing interest rates. Yep. On being in really popular bond funds, those are the funds where people cash out because they get scared, forcing the bond manager to sell bonds that they don't want to sell. You know, a lot of times if you hold the bond to maturity, you're going to end up being okay. But if your investors are dying for their money and you, you're forced to sell the bond at a loss, your NAV or your bond fund's going to fall. When do you think people should just say no to bond funds? Ever? Uh, no, well, if you're in a stable interest rate environment right. um, or rates are high and they look like they're coming down. Buy individual bonds and hold them to maturity. Okay. Um, right now, I like the liquidity. We've de-risked our bond portfolio though to go to some really well-managed, much smaller funds, so we don't have to, um, and even less-known funds, so we don't have to deal with that run on bonds if, in 12 months, you know, interest rates start to rise. Um, I would like to buy individual bonds and hold them to maturity, but the level that I have to buy in at, there's so many bonds out there paying at a premium. Okay. So in other words, you're going to pay. 103 to $105 for a bond that's going to mature at $100 in five years.
3: Have you ever considered um, like a, a Ford bond or a GM bond because we, we kind of assume those companies aren't going to go out of business? Yeah,
4: but again, we're keeping an eye on our managers and make sure that they can get better prices than we can. Okay. You know what I mean? and in, in, in an individual basis. And that's where you...
3: Wait, wait. Um, you said, do you know what I mean? And you looked at me like I know. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I have no clue what you just said there.
4: Okay. So, well, when an individual buys a bond right. from a market maker... right. A lot of times you're paying a you know, premium for a bond, and if you're buying at such a small level, you're going to get a much worse price than a PIMCO or somebody else that's a market maker in those areas. You I know what I mean?
3: Biggest PIMCO?
4: No, you're not as well. You're a lot bigger than Bill Gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the you might figure. have you might have sixty pounds on that guy. He's, <laughs> he's, a, little, he's a little yoga guy. You just he went from, himself backwards. You just half. went from subtle to not very subtle.
3: <laughs> he's a little yoga guy. Have you met him?
4: Well, no, I think it's well known that he does, like, two hours of yoga a day or something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So,
3: the only thing I can tell you about Bill Gross is that mustache just flips me out. When he has it, it flips me out. When he shaves it, it flips me out. Comes and goes. So, anything else that we need to know about this topic on chasing yield?
4: No, I think just people have to, you know, quarterly keep an eye on their bond funds and what's in them. Uh, A lot of bonds, funds that we own and were successful with, we had to sell because we were getting prospectuses saying they were going to start buying more common stocks. I've talked about this before, and I think this is going to be a theme through 2012. Um, and uh, again you look I would rather own the individual bonds when interest rates are high and coming down right now I'm I'm, I'm liking what my bond managers are doing in my funds it's
3: good stuff it's CFP Chad Burton CFP Chad Burton you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com and one of the sad stories out there there's a, te- a little bit television ad commercial that's tied towards Rob Lowe and TV and we're seeing shy bladder sufferers They want DirecTV to stop airing a television ad where a painfully awkward actor, Rob Lowe, says he can't urinate in public. Like, really? Do we really need that on top of dealing with where's oil prices going? Do we really need, you know, Republican Congress, Democratic Congress? Do we really need to be focusing our energies on that? Crude oil down, for the record. Um, One of the more interesting comments that was made not too long ago by an oil analyst was many, many, many years ago, not many years ago, you know, within your lifetime, 15 years, uh, oil was down around $40 a barrel, $35 a barrel, and then just started making a move and never looked back. And the oil analyst was saying, you know, worldwide demand now, worldwide consumption now, and the amount of availability, supply, is at better scenarios now, where demand's lower now than it was then, supply's higher now than it was then. So he was making a case where he's not saying it well, but it could go back really, really low. If that were to happen, you would see world economies grind to a halt. Fascinating. Consumers would love it. Flights would be cheaper. Airlines would love it. But you and I, the effects on the economy, there'd be a lot of job losses. Anyhow, coming up, I'm speaking with Brian he the streets retail analyst talking about holiday apparel trends big stores like macy's and jc penny's what's it look like out there and what can we expect I'm Rob Black. Show dedicating to talk enough issues about money and investing and retirement to ultimately drag you towards retirement and to get you excited about investing in your 401k and looking at down markets as opportunity, and looking at up markets as a little bit more risk, kind of change your thought patterns. One of the things that I get to do is I get to talk to a lot of smart people, um, analysts, uh, reporters, uh, CEOs, executives. The one that I'm looking forward to talk to right now from the streets, retail analyst Brian Susi. Brian, how are you?
5: Hey, Robert, Cohen, going Happy uh, almost
3: Friday. Happy almost Friday. Um, let's talk holiday. You're a retail analyst. What does that mean? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Well, one, it basically means that uh, I have no life. I am constantly in the stores looking for key trends uh, that you're seeing from a lot of the major department store retailers, a lot of the specialty power retailers, see what product's hot, what's not, and ultimately uh, finding, taking those findings and sharing them on, on Twitter. Uh, I think Twitter has been a great outlet to get those views across to uh consumers and many other people in the investment field.
3: Now, you just recently penned a story tied towards three holiday apparel trends, Macy's and JCPenney hope will lift sales. Macy's and J.C. Penny's like, those were stories that were like staples in my life as a child. but They've become less and less and less so over the last three decades. Is that a fair statement?
5: Well, uh, you and me both, because we all okay. grew up going to these stores and and what you're seeing is on one hand, what I didn't mention this piece is the complete uh, destruction of Sears and Kmart It might come as a shock to some of your, your listeners you're looking at a, a Sears and Kmart that is probably going to be out of business before the year twenty twenty you know the company's having uh, a lot of financial problems and they're selling things at deep discounts and as a retail analyst uh that's an elixir for failing, but specifically to Macy's and j c Penn you're starting to see now them as they approach the holiday season, think about what could they try and get consumers to sell at full price. It's been a big problem in retail this year. Things are not selling at full price. They're selling at deep discounts, which is strange because the economy is theoretically improving. So one item that we sat down and talked to Macy's about that's going to be a theme that many people will see is what I'm calling social media-friendly shirts, lots of inspirational messages printed on shirts. And it's ultimately a clever marketing uh, tactic by these retailers because the hopes is that young adult, with their face in an iPhone or Android, takes a picture of these shirts and starts spreading that message on social media. So one part cool shirt, one part social media message.
3: What's a social media message example on a shirt? Because I cringe when you say that.
5: <laughs> well, it could be if something is, have a good day, uh, print okay. on a shirt that with a bright color. We saw one shirt, uh, Macy's in the article on the street and right now, highlights something called uh, Homies, which is just yeah. strange, but Macy's offering a sweatshirt called Homies. It says, Homies on the shirt. It's black, and it gives you a definition of what in the world Homies means. So it's comical, and that trick worked with me because as soon as I stumbled across this shirt uh, within the shoe department, I took a picture of it, I put it on Twitter, and everybody joined in the conversation, which, okay. when there's conversation, it could lead to a
3: sale. Okay. Uh, it's cute. I might at your story right now, social media the shirts. Uh, trying to get Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat uh, to kind of, like, do some marketing for you. And there was a story recently, I think I may have got it from the street, where Domino's Australia is now giving a sales commission for anyone who creates a pizza posted online with a link, and then someone orders it, they'll give the person who posted, like, you know, the the great Wall Street pig, um, when it's all the bacon, ham, and sausage, (laughs) pepperoni that you could want. And I could get a commission off that. So is... Are retail and restaurants doing more and more? They're starting to figure out social media, it sounds like.
5: Yeah, I know. It's great. It's funny that you mentioned Domino's because I talked to the CEO about two months ago. And even in addition, I guess, just give your listeners a highlight of what's to come next year, I think you're going to see Domino's roll of what they call a skinny menu. What that basically means is a lot of low-calorie options, less sauce with uh, less salt, for example, and that will be a great marketing tool for them. But even some other restaurant companies, too, I sat down and talked to the CEO of Applebee's and IHOP. You know, they actually have the same CEO. They're starting to use uh, Twitter more forcefully. And I think as you go into 2015, you'll see an Applebee's, you'll see a Papa John's, an IHOP, a Domino's. Get more creative in what the messages they're putting on social media in the hopes that it drives sale
3: Did you know there's a difference between IHOP and International House of Pancakes?
5: I did not know there was a difference, uh, and it's yeah. like, something I just talked then. Far away, I, I am not too sure of it.
3: Okay, that's I was told that, and I I, I believe it's true. So just FYI that IHOP is bitter at International House pancakes, and maybe I was fooled, but I don't think I was. But anyway, and any <laughs> let's move on. Um, the return of plaid. Um, it seems like you just hold on to your plaid shirt. Ten years later, it'll be good again. Ten years later, it'll be good again. Uh, retail has to really count on kind of fashion-forward and uh, fast fashion these days.
5: Well, uh, if you're a cowboy wannabe, you should look happy. You should look forward to the holiday season because you're going to see a lot more. You're going to see Macy's, you're going to see J.C. Penney. You're going to see companies like a VF Corp. VF Corp. Uh, they own the North Face brand and Timberland. A lot more of these companies are going over what they call the Western theme apparel look. Uh, Go figure. But a lot of the new items that are on the floor, you're going to see on mannequins. Uh, with that, department stores, slimmer fits, uh, brighter colors. And when you go into the stores, when it's on a mannequin, they'll be offered as either you can wear it as a singular item or you can wear it underneath what they call a puffer jacket or a puffer vest. At the end of the day, it's still almost the same plaid-looking shirt as 10 years ago, just spiffed up a little bit for uh, 2014.
3: Yeah, they don't make puffy shirts yet, which is – I'm still waiting for that. Um <laughs> So let's go back to this real quick, uh, the millennials, because more and more people are talking about it. It's its definitively the future of retail. Uh, will they go into a JCPenney's and a Macy's, or they're just going to shop online? They have to be like the, the, the teeter-totter point for success and failure for some of these companies.
5: Well, from I am uh, a millennial, full disclosure. So I okay. think uh, where all the online shopping and all the mobile shopping, you have to start differentiating the two, by the way. Uh, it's happening by the millennial parents. As a millennial, I think you're much more looking at product reviews, social activity on certain items than you want instead of going, instead of buying everything online. I think the millennials are obsessed uh, with Zara, Forever 21, H&M, and those companies, which we call an analog plan, uh, fast fashion retailers, offer great products uh, at half the price of many of these department stores. And secondarily, they're bringing new products to the market so quickly that every time you do go to the mall, you're enticed to buy even more. So I think a lot of the department stores like Macy's, JCPenney, they have to continue to evolve.
3: Coach used to be famous for changing up their purses every basically four to six weeks. So women would go into the stores every four to six weeks. Um, and you're basically what you're saying is the, the retailers now for millennials, they're changing their fashion every two to three weeks. So every time you go in, there's a new treat. There's something else. There's more hey, no one on my street has this. It's kind of an enticement to get foot traffic. Does that sound about right?
5: Exactly. And one big theme uh, for retail this year, and even it started last year too, is a lot of these retailers are trying to get goods to the floor quicker than they ever have before. And that goes back to what I just mentioned with Zara and Forever 21. There, Those companies are getting products in their store literally by the week, new interesting things where a hey, Zara, if I go into their store today, the entire floor set uh, will be completely different next week and we all grew up in the retail sector is when you go into jc Penney, the stuff you saw on monday will be the same stuff on the floor three weeks from now and that is all changing in a big way
3: interesting to say that you say that um one of the negatives on fast fashion is we've heard about factories in india like burning down and people dying as a millennial you're considered more socially conscious than me For me i want my nikes at a hundred dollars i don't want them at 150 if a factory has to burn down i don't care i'm generation x i want my nikes Mm-hmm. Um, do you shop that way? Are you socially conscious?
5: Ah uh, not
3: yet i okay. it still fall into the same category as you
5: i I want what I want when I want it, and I know where to get it uh pretty much within thirty minutes or even in real time if I wanted to buy offline and I think next year with retails, you'll start to see them get a little more out front in showing where their products come from. You might see origin origin of products on their websites because we're starting to see that within the restaurant sector on in terms of food quality and where their food ultimately comes from, which Chipotle, in many respects, were leading, leading that charge.
3: i got to ask because i got the millennial. I don't usually get to talk to millennials. Um, the stories that do McDonald's is vile and gross. You, you look at it as child abuse to take a child to McDonald's, uh, whereas I grew up as, hey, a happy meal kind of thing. Um, double the sodium, goodbye me. Uh, you and your friends, do you dislike McDonald's that much, and do you like Chipotle that much?
5: Uh, well, it's interesting you say that because I talked to CEO talk Chipotle, and he is very um, big on that fact that the company is changing the way people are changing fast food. I think the bottom line is this. The millennial person, they have more access to information at the, at the tip of their fingers. They want to know where things that they're putting in their body are coming from, and that's a big shift than when at least this millennial was growing up, where we would go, like you mentioned, to pick up a Happy Meal. But the bottom line is, when you go to McDonald's, they just don't have the items that people are demanding. We want the Chipotle burritos. We want the Starbucks coffee. We want the wraps that a Dunkin' Donuts is offering. And if you go to McDonald's, they just have not evolved to the point what, in terms of what the consumer is demanding.
3: Anything else that you want to add? We have about a minute. We're speaking with Brian Sosie from TheStreet.com.
5: Uh, well, I think another area of focus too, uh, people are about to see some really cool things, uh, from Nike, uh, in Under Armour in in 2015. Both these companies are, are really at war at this point in getting consumers not necessarily to buy sneakers, but athletic apparel. So you'll see a lot more bright colors. Next year you'll see a lot more items that can wick sweat off your body. And the next evolution of that, you'll see technology infused into clothing. So theoretically, your shirt, your Under Armour shirt, probably next year might sync up to your smartphone. It sounds crazy, but it's the next evolution in the retail sector.
3: Please join us again. It's Brian Sozy, the Streets Retail Analyst. You can find him at thestreet.com. Last name is S-O-Z-Z-I. A lot of smart insights. Totally appreciate it. I'm Rob Black. we go got a got a break. <laughs>
0: Well, in New York with
2: champagne and
3: disco Take some mayonnaise slash San Francisco But actually,
1: Oakland and Alameda Your girls in Berkeley with a communist
2: reader Mine was in tune with them boombox and one I was a horrible girl
1: that was back then
2: The gloves are up,
1: the wisdom teeth
3: Rob thank you very much, thank you, thank you. Please keep your golf clap to yourself. Thank you, thank you. I want to thank my mother, I want to thank the Academy, I want to thank that hot gel thing that kept my back loose during the duff days. Thank you. So Apple Pay just got major competition. Battle for smartphone payments, not just between Apple and the merchants. Softcard, which is a joint venture between AT&T Mobile and Verizon, just launched a free app for Windows Phone in addition to its Android app that allows consumers to pay for goods by simply tapping their phones on a wireless pad available at many retailers. What makes this payment solution different from Apple Pay and Google Wallet is that Softcard works on not just one type of device but on Windows and Android. Additionally, unlike Apple Pay which requires the purchase of an iPhone 6, which retails for about 600 bucks, Softcard uses can use their existing phone in many cases. Like, for instance, I've got a Motorola Droid Max. I know you're saying, oh, oh, I'm going to go talk to that guy over there. I know, it's a buzzkill, right? I like old phones. I like old cars. I can't lie, but there you go. Consumers just need to get special encrypted enhanced SIM card. Oh, but it's for free at AT AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. Yeah, too much work. Too much work. Apple wins. Uh, but it's nice to see that there's competition, and soon this will be built into phones, uh, even more and more so. I'm tired of the... I'm not going to say the credit card system is so old and outdated, but why do I have to carry both a cell phone and a wallet? If I can trim down to one, I'm in. I'm in. Is Tesla overvalued? Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, no, yes... That's the problem. Classic valuation is not flattering for Tesla. Future valuation looks pretty good. Um, There's upside to the stock right now. They just reported numbers, and based on what they're projecting now for two years from now, it looks fantastic. Future cash flows fall a little short of the lofty uh, price. The stock is what I would refer to as dangerous. Do I think Elon Musk... I've been thinking a lot about this. If my last name was Musk, would I change my name? I might. I might. Um, there's worse bad, worse last names out there, but, you know. Can you imagine going to grade school with him? Musk, Elon Musk. He, he smells funny. Shoot, sure, that's a good name for him. I had black, and people would go, you don't look black. I'm like, ah, uh. elementary school. If I can go back and just, like white glove slap a couple kids, I'm in. And I'm not talking about hurting children. I'm not talking about anything along those lines, but some kids were just downright mean. So in the last 52 weeks, Tesla's gone from 140 bucks a share to, woo $245 a high, though, of 291 It's expensive, and it's what I'm going to refer to as a dangerous stock. A lot of things have to fall right for it, and the GMs and the... Uh, BMWs have to say, you know what, uh, we we're not acknowledging this market, we're going to ignore it. But if they pay a lot of attention to it, it's going to be interesting. Average weekly jobless claims slipped to a 14-year low, that's good news. Do I have to say it any way better than that? Uh, I could talk like a Wall Street person. Initial claims for state unemployment benefits dropped 10,000 to a seasonally adjusted 278,000 for the weekend in November 1, according to the Labor Department. The four week moving average, which smooths things out, considering a better measure of labor market trends as it irons out week to week volatility, fell to its lowest level since April of 2000. Where was I in April 2000? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. i basically just been. Uh, the stock market was crashing. Pretty hardcore. Pretty hardcore. Um, companies appear increasingly unwilling to lay off labor. Other stories out there of news, CBS is turning on CBSN Live. Now, what is this? This is a media company gets it. From 9 a.m. to midnight weekdays, anchors will present stories live on the ad-supported network with hourly updates. Viewers can use DVR-like functions to rewind and catch up on earlier parts of the broadcast. So a lot of what goes on television is now going to be on your Amazon Fire Roku, CBS News app. Later this year, they're going to, have to put it on Android and iOS. It's going to be on Windows Store available as well. And this is real content that stinks for me because I want to be the king of the Internet and the king of social media. I want to be all that, but I don't have billions and billions of dollars to put into a production set. And in the end, when you listen to a podcast or watch a, a television broadcast, you want quality quality to be really high up there and if i were to come up with a raw black app you know i'm going to do it from the basement of the science building which is a tribute to cheech and chong uh 1970s comedy album from the basement of the science building um starbucks is starbucks announced it's going to bring back the eggnog latte after customer complaints that the holiday favorite did not appear alongside the coffee chain's red holiday cups on november one you know I think we should get the fire hose out and spray down all those hippies that want eggnog latte. Maybe even a taser. Starbucks dropped the seasonal drink made with spiced eggnog espresso and nutmeg in an effort to streamline its menu. But because of its seasonal offering since 1986, fans want it. Again, not asking for too much. Let's bring out the fire hoses and tasers and... And zap those hippies. Um, Next year, Starbucks will know better than to mess with the sentimental ties to the time of year when we all need that little extra caffeine. I like Starbucks for a long-term patient investor. Other news out there, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, is going to launch tequila-flavored beer in the United States. Beer. Stories about beer kind of like relax me. Anheuser-Busch is launching a tequila-flavored beer called Occultal in the United States hoping to attract younger consumers who increasingly choose liquor and Mexican beers. It's amazing how much product is like just geared towards like people who have money. Eighteen to twenty five year olds, they're gonna get drunk tonight. That's the thought. Like woo like have you ever looked at the beer commercials? They're all skinny twenty five year old kids. Like, let's flash forward twenty five years when the the harshness of life and the, all that alcohol has caught up with them. Anyway that's coming. Okolfo. You can find me online, robblack.com. Drop me an email, Rob at robblackshow.com. Tweet me. Rob David, do
1: you love
2: 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
3: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Couple things. Investors are flocking to index funds. The debate between active versus passive management has only heated up as more investors put their money in index funds and eschew the stock picking strategies. ETFs have taken in $160 billion so far this year, bringing total under management to $1.9 trillion. Investors want low cost. It's one of the biggest reasons you win or lose on Wall Street. Is how much do you pay in fees? And index funds are the way to go in that case. Um now I know again, I know picking like a Tesla like I wanna pick the next big stock. I wanna turn ten thousand, five thousand, two thousand dollars into <laughs> a million dollars. It rarely, rarely happens. And when you do, you tend to do something like you buy Apple at forty, you sell it at 70 seventy, eighty, and it goes to a thousand. Whoops. Story out there that I dig, because not only do you have to pick stocks or index funds, and everyone should do index funds at least to you get $100,000 before you pick an individual stock. But uh, a twist on this is tech pay hits a record. So not only can you get rich by investing, but you can get rich by picking the right career. You know, a $100,000 degree, a four-year school to get an English degree, and a four-year school to get an engineering degree. There's going to be a pretty big different lifetime wages. In 2009, the average engineer base salary was about 90000 2010 about 93000 2011 about 94000 2012 about 96000 2013 about 97000 2014 98000 almost. Getting close to $100,000. Um, am I saying money is happiness? Pretty much so, I am. Just so you know, um, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you want to travel the world, if you want to take time off from work, if you want to say, "Wow, I did myself a great favor by getting a great degree," maybe something you want to look for. It's bringing CFP Chad Burton joining me now. CFP Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com, host of New Focus on Wealth here from one to two, Monday through Fridays on KDOW 1220. Email, emails, popular way to ask questions that are on your mind. Uh, Drop me an email or chat an email, chad at newfocusfinancial.com to get your email read on this segment. Monica, it's nice to get an email from a female. Is three years safe money enough? If three years of, uh, three years of down market, you empty three years of cash, can you need another one to two years of cash to wait while recovering?
4: Yeah, so Monica's obviously listened or been to our yeah. events where I always preach you got to have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash when you get to retirement because where I came up with that is that looking at the market when I got in the business you know, over 20 years ago, notice that the, there's only been a couple of times when I first got in business once where the market was negative for three years in a row. So you realize that cash is king during those periods of time. You got to get through those periods. Right. But the peak to the trough back to the peak tends to take five to seven years. Okay. So that's a good question. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. So what you have to do is say, okay, at the end of the three years, if the market's fallen three years in a row, how do you get through the rest of the period of time? Well, you have to have enough dividend yield and interest yield on your portfolio to feed your cash while you're going through that peak to, to trough to to the top. So. You you have to do things in retirement like bonds bond, or bond alternatives so you have enough yield in your portfolio. If you invest correctly, your portfolio is yielding enough so that your cash would actually last five years in a scenario like that. At the same time, you need to invest in some of the alternative products out there. There's things like structured note CDs, where you can get a portion of the upside of the market without the downside risk. So it's a kind of an in-between stocks and bonds. Um, so that you know within you know, five to six years that you've got another year's worth of income coming due to get you through a, a period of like you know, 2007 to about end of 2012 where it was peak to trough back to peak. So you really have to hedge five to seven years' worth of income, and the three years of expenses is just the start to doing that.
3: Okay, but it's a good question in, in large part because um, I guess you know, there's nothing really certain, and she's trying to get a little bit more worst-case scenario which I like the way she's thinking.
4: Yeah, because people want to retire and be able to sleep, knowing that they have a plan in place to get through. 70% of the time, we're just dealing with market highs and good periods. 30% of the time, real scary in retirement. Let's go to another email question. You can email chad at newfocusfinancial.com.
3: That's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. What's the best way to manage your home? Should I pay off my mortgage or keep? Should sell it my home when? Okay, so pay off the mortgage or keep the mortgage. And sell the home when. Pull out your real estate crystal ball. And don't forget to turn on the um, the earthquake indicator.
4: Oh, the earthquake indicator. Okay, hold on a second. All right, it's on. So it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when, but it's coming.
3: Um, That's a safe answer.
4: Yeah, I mean, here's here's the deal. You have to look at it a couple of different ways. First of all, carrying a mortgage makes a lot of sense to maximize every single dollar. But you also have to deal with how some people feel about money. And sometimes it's really important to people to have their home paid off. And it's not about maximizing every dollar. It's the mental aspect that this is what I want. This is what I desire. Do I have enough tools to do that? And in this case, the tool is money, right? Mm -hmm. So some people, that's really, really important. At the same time, too, let's say you talk to somebody in their, you know, 15 years into their 30-year mortgage, and they're not paying much interest anymore so that mortgage isn't resulting in a lot of income tax deductions. And that same person has a lot of cash on the sidelines or they're overweight in bonds. So what they have to say is, okay, you know, if I pay off this mortgage, which I'm not getting much of a tax deduction for anymore, will I still be able to itemize deductions? If the answer is yes, then sometimes that's a good use of your excess cash or your excess weighting to bonds to pay that off. Um, So in terms of having to sell the house, you you need to know well in advance whether or not you're going to have to sell your house to have a successful retirement 10 years in advance. Because you don't want to be putting your house up for sale in 2009 because you've run out of your other liquid assets. You want to be putting your house up for sale during a seller's market. And the real estate cycle is 7 to 10 years. So if you miss out on one cycle, you'll be able to hit the next. You need to have enough money to get through the cycles. It's interesting because when you own real
3: estate, you do have some equity over time. It turns out that way most often than not. Um, I've always always in the back of my head since I was a little boy, known that I could always sell a home and like move to Guatemala, or I could move to some third world country and sell oranges on the beach.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Probably not the best idea to plan on selling oranges on the beach.
4: No, that sounds kind of boring.
3: Yeah. So. <laughs> How about if I do it with a beautiful woman?
4: There you go. Okay. That's better. a better retirement visual. Yeah, yeah, a little bit better.
3: So, anyway, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can email him, Chad, C-H-A-D, at com. And I'm Rob Black. You can find me at robblack.com. You can tweet me, Rob Black Show. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. YouTube me, Rob Black Show. From time to time, I do television appearances that I put online for you. Facebook, fan page is Cron4 Rob Black. That's the best way you can support me is reach out and like let me know that you're out there. Anyhow, anytime you want to talk, pick up the phone, give me a call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Um, don't be shy. Any questions that you have, any clarity that you want, uh, do it. Take a break here. be right back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Tesla shares surge following a third-quarter report. They reported earnings. woo Um Two cents a share on $932 million in revenue. Not a lot, but enough to nip. Anheuser-Busch is introducing a tequila-flavored beer, which I think is, again... Driven towards the millennials and their, you know, demanding tastes of we want what we want. And darn it, we're not going to drink Bud Bud Light. So if you want to get us, come up with something unique. Otherwise, go away. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Let's talk a little real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, Source.com. That's Bay Source.com. He's my lender. He's done a couple loans for me in the past few years. I bring that up because I trust him. I bring that up because I think you can trust him. He does a great job of packaging scenarios for you and showing you your options. Whether I definitely don't want a seven-year one arm, I want a 30-year, he'll show you the 30, the 15, and the seven one because that's his job, to show you your options. Um, One of the things that I was surprised about the 2013 government shutdown was some of the stories that came along that said getting a a mortgage is going to be tougher because the IRS is shut down. Getting a mortgage is going to be tougher because... Um, we verify wages as well. Um, we being the mortgage industry, mm-hmm. um, that's a little bit. I think people don't. They're not prepared with how much paperwork there is, yeah. And how much different, how many different sources you have to go to. So I think it's incredibly rude for someone to shop a lender, because once they shop, you start doing this process where you're calling 20 to 30 different people on their behalf.
6: And it's not just the amount of paperwork that you have to go through to actually get the appropriate quote. It's the amount of work that we have to do on a, a ECOA, for example. They they make us put out these disclosures every time. If I give you a quote, I have to give you a disclosure. So, yeah, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, there was a Mortgage Bankers Association. They do this uh, rating on how difficult it is to get a mortgage. and the Index is at 101, approximately. They... Uh, they estimated that back in 2006, 2007, at the peak of the real estate market back then, uh, it would have been at 800. So that's how much harder it's gotten, higher number being easier. And it's only, it's, it's going down. So we're going to see a lot more difficult guidelines come up. We have the lenders that are implementing this year already some of the qualified mortgage rules that are coming up in 2014, January, which we expect to be fully implemented by then and expected for lenders to follow these rules. Um, but yeah, during the 2013 shutdown, it was. It was. It made it even more difficult. We had this thing called a 4506 uh, IRS transcript request that got delayed. Um, and but Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, they said, okay, we'll 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 ease the guidelines and say, okay, just give us tax returns, we'll be okay with that. Um, but it did become a more difficult. And this is just the theme that we're going to see throughout 2014 and beyond. It's pretty. It, they're similar standards to what they were before 2000. The 2000s was a different era, Robbie. It was a very strange era. We're let going me put, back to the
3: norm. Let me put that in perspective. 2000s. You can get $600,000 by basically initialing two pieces of paper. Liar loans. At that point in time, the lender would say, okay, I'm going to go start filling out numbers. You know how they did liar loans, right? No, tell me.
6: Um, so you give them your type of work, and they would yeah. go to this website, and it would have this graph. It says that if you've been in it this long, you get paid this much, and then it goes like that, and they pick the highest number, and they use that as your income. Okay. so Stated income loan.
3: Was it ever so egregious, like, liar loans were good for, like, football players who, they don't care. They just want to get the money. Um, did you ever get things like people like me saying, yeah, Tony, I, I, I pitch for the the San Francisco Giants. Did you ever get liars like that? Or was it more no, in- it, it,
6: inflationary what, what on you, your end? What you typically saw, and this is where Subprime really came into a, um, dug people into a hole, was they would literally make up jobs for people. Did I show you the email I got the other day? from. It was a business card that, that people are still handing out. It says, we will make up a W-2 for you and verify the job. So it was essentially like that. They were, make, they were making up jobs. They were just doing what they call ver, uh, verbal verifications. So you could give the lender a phone number for your buddy. They would call that, and the guy would go, oh, yeah, this guy does a lawn care for me. He's been doing it for three years. Boom. There's your income. Yeah. Um, and those are liar loans. Those are stated income loans. And it was very, very, very skeptical. I mean, it, it just... It, it just made so many more people qualify for home loans. It drove home prices up. It was the first thing that I saw when I came to California is that why would why would people get teaser? Not only that, you could get teaser loans. It'd start 1% NEGAM loans, and you could go up to 100% financing. It was crazy. Okay, so how do you prepare somebody? Because I freak out every time I do a loan.
3: Um, I Whenever I buy a house, I pay someone to sign for me. Like I, I, yeah, you know, I, I give them
6: credit because I don't like going
3: through all that paperwork.
6: Quite honestly, it's the toughest part of my job is to is to hide people from the the red tape that they have to go through. It's becoming harder and harder and harder. Now I know I want to say that I'm the best. I get loans done. You know, I, everybody's heard my commercial, but it's you know, it, I get loans I get done. Get, done. I get loans done. Uh, you know, and that's getting harder. It's actually, it's I get loans done, but it's harder to keep people from seeing. Like the lender asking for multiple types of transactions, you know, deposits. Now, if you have a deposit at an ATM, they want that check. Oh, I know that happened to me. They want that check. Um, I
3: deposit large amounts, if, and when I was doing a refi, they're like, "Why were you depositing six thousand um, dollars?" And I had to go like, I, "I don't remember." And that came up with Dot Frank.
6: There's a lot of um, anti-money uh, laundering rules that came up as well, and that, that is now forcing lenders to look at things like that. So the overregulation that we had as a result from the, um, the real estate crash is really making it tough on people now.
3: So be prepared.
6: If you do a refi, if you buy a home, it's going to take some time. Know that
3: the lender is working their butts off for you. I get calls from Tony on occasion where he's just frustrated that a loan's not getting funded yet because he needs one more thing. So it's gonna be it's a freaky experience for me, for you, for everyone. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him online at Bay dot Source.com. That's Bay dot com. Forget Cyber Monday, the best day to buy online deals. What do you think it is? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's the best day for online deals, offering consumers a discount of 24%. With that being said. In the last segment of the show, I need to give away tickets for the Broadway show Chicago in San Francisco coming up on Tuesday, November 11th. It's a two-week run, limited run at the Orpheum. So I'm going to do what's the favorite sound of Rob Black on this show. I played it in the first hour. If you want to call and guess, that's fine, but we'll start lining up calls at about 50 past or about 10 till the top of the hour. And uh, whoever doesn't, if you don't get it, then I'll just give it to the last caller before we sign off. But uh, giving away tickets to the Orpheum uh, show Chicago. So Thanksgiving is the best day for online deals, giving you 24% off. Retailers really got scrunched last year with the way Christmas and Thanksgiving fell. Uh, But they want your money before you run out of money. Um, Second best day is Black Friday. And then Monday before Thanksgiving, and then the Monday before Thanksgiving, Um, Cyber Monday is ranked fourth. Who would have known, right? For those who want to get me gifts and presents, please, please, don't. Okay, you can't. No, don't. Don't. I'm okay. I got everything I need. Please, please, I need, I need, I need. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, tickets coming up for the Chicago show, November 11th, Broadway show at the Orpheum in San Francisco. We're going to do that at 50 past the hour. Take a break here. Be right back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Please don't be shy. Um, It's the one thing that I I think this show really needs. It's that relationship with each other to chat about money and investing and issues along those lines. Um, Getting you to retirement is not a noble goal, but it's something I want to, you know, again, continue to work on and uh, try to find, you know, loopholes and best ways of doing it, whether I'm talking about Boeing adding a new plane or Lululemon having margin problems or health insurance opening up, again, on November 15th. You know, insurance, you cover things that you can't afford to lose, talking about the best days to buy holiday gifts, maxing out your 401K. I try desperately to show you areas of money and investing and insurance and, you know, opportunity because I tend to see too many people make too many mistakes, and that's tragic when it comes to investing um, money and more. So don't be shy. Um, Right now, I'm going to ask you to call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, If you can correctly name my favorite sound, I played it in the first hour, or whoever is the fifth caller, guessing correctly, we will give you tickets to Chicago the Musical. This is a good ticket. It's a free ticket, Tuesday, November 11th, at the Orpheum Theater in San Francisco. We'll need your name, your city, your cell phone number, your email, and uh, we'll leave it at will call for you. The Orpheum, it's two hours and 30 minutes. It includes a 15-minute intermission. Um, no children under five allowed. Sorry. Don um, Hurley is going to be in it. It starts November 7th at the Orpheum. It's a two-week limited engagement, so it's perfect for the holidays. Pre-holiday, kind of like party, so to speak. It's a Broadway great show. Uh, Universal tale, fame, fortune, all that jazz. Um, song after song. You've heard it, you've seen it, you know it. Uh, this is a good date night ticket. Call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Uh, right here, right now. Can you guess my favorite sound effect that we play on the show. It is not Chewbacca. Um, so again, call now 800-516-1220. To get your calls on the air. Uh, to try to win the tickets to Chicago the Musical. And that's again coming up November 11th. You have to be able to go to the show. It is in San Francisco. Don't call and don't use the tickets. The tickets got good, you know, pretty good value on them. Um, Chicago is the winner of six 1997 Tony Awards. Uh, and again, perfect and free and I can't say enough about that, right? So I could, but I won't. So a couple stories that I want to get to while we're waiting for the calls to line up. Um, uh, the Republican victory, it may result in a quicker rate hike. Republican rule in the Senate could benefit the U.S. dollars as the party's legislators exert pressure on the Fed to raise interest rates sooner than expected. The Republican policies are generally more business friendly, helped spark the big rally in the dollar recently. Rents are skyrocketing across the United States, but particularly in five cities. Rents are rising um, where renters are already stretched thinnest. The least affordable markets are San Francisco, San Diego, Boston, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C. Rents are now up 7.8% versus where they were a year ago. Uh, More and more investors are flocking towards index funds, and it's because they're low cost, they're diversified, and they're kind of no-brainers over the long-term uh, if you're diversified, maybe on a future show I could talk about setting up uh, index fund strategies. TechPay has hit a record. Um, we do have a winner. It looks like John is one. Does John want to go on the air? Yes or no? No. Okay, that's unfortunate because part of the joke was, I was going to say, so what is my favorite sound? And uh, you take donkey, and here's the donkey sound just to confirm it. Makes me smile. Makes me smile every time. And that's Sarah, uh, Susie Orman, when she's on the show. Lulu Limon said that they've got some good news and bad news. Um, good news is that the brand is pretty well known. Bad news is that margins are shrinking uh, through 2015, probably into 2016. Um, millennials, you should stop taking financial advice from your parents. Um, at the end of the day, financial decisions are personal matters and best made after looking at certain factors that are tied towards you. Uh, We spoke with a millennial earlier in the show, uh, retail analyst Brian Soce from TheStreet.com. And, you know, millennials leaned on their parents for, you know, rent, and they leaned on their parents for laundry machine stuff, duties. And the long story short is that it's a different economy. It's a different stock market than it was with your parents. Um, And it's probably a little tougher to get to retirement than it was for your parents. OPEC has cut the oil price. Forecast is price war is starting to bite. Uh, OPEC said there would be a small decline in real values over the decade, together with a constant nominal price of $110 a barrel. I don't see that $110 a barrel in the foreseeable future. There's danger of substantial overcapacity in the sector. Whole food stock jumps after earnings beat. Revenues increase, but their same-store sales rose, which is something that, you know, retail and um, grocery stores obviously need. Anheuser-Busch said they're going to launch tequila-flavored beer in the United States, but also on top of that, they said that they're going to acquire 10-barrel brewing out of Bend, Oregon, which is a fast-growing U.S. craft beer uh, player. Tesla stock surges after a strong quarter with some earnings. Uh, Elon Musk seems to not like the financial media because he gets really testy about it. When he's talking with them, average weekly jobless claims slipped to a 14-year low. That's pretty a positive. A uh, number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment hit a 14-year low. So you got to go back to 2000, which is right when, you know, we went from just this amazing, you know, 1990s um, Yahoo, America Online, Microsoft, um, companies like Google were starting to incubate and get bigger, um, to the implosion that is today to follow from 2000 2002. So it was a glorious time 14 years ago, and we're getting back there in jobless plans. That's a good sign for us. Stay tuned. Um, you can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black or Cron 4 Rob Black. Good day.